The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. so much for joining us on the mothership podcast you know a very interesting topic artificial intelligence very hot topic today some of us get visions of the terminator you know Arnold schwarzenegger in there or or you know wally right remember that lovable robot wally you know the question is should we fear ai or should we embrace it we're joined by Mid-Pacific School students who were invited to a national virtual workshop on AI in schools. They were the only students presenting at this conference from Hawaii, focusing on the role of AI in a school setting. Uh, joining us is Kimi Yokoyama, Yunjae Park, Sydney Woolley, Charlize or Charlie Gaudiello, Helena Winchester, and Ian Nishikawa. Also joining us Dr. Mark Hines, Mid-Pacific's Kupuho Academy Director, and John Pennington, Mid-Pacific High School Educational Technologist. So we got the whole team here with us. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Yay. All right. I love those waves and the enthusiastic expressions. We can't hear you, but we know that you're excited to be on here just as much as I am excited to hear from all of you. And just for our listeners, I know that you guys out there listening are so interested in AI in general, like, oh, what is its role on, uh, you know, nuclear warfare or, um, you know, our national security? Well, we're not here to talk about that tonight because we're solely focused on artificial intelligence in the classroom. Now, I know that there's so much that you guys have to go through to learn about artificial intelligence in order to, you know, put on this presentation on the national level. But but first, I guess, in, in general, what overall, what was the overall message that you folks want educators nationwide to know about artificial intelligence in the classroom? I guess I can kind of speak on that. Um, I feel like just to sum up everything into a quick like message, um, for me personally, my biggest message I guess would just to be um to shed light on the fact that AI is present in our classrooms and to not fear it to approach it with a more wanting to learn more about it rather than fearing what's to come I feel like just the stigma around incorporating AI into curriculum hmm. yeah I guess it's easy to fear it because it's not not much is known about it um what were your guys' thoughts? Yunjae? 
Um, I think ChatGPT and other generative AI often has a negative connotation, almost as a plagiarism tool, because some students utilize is as a um, a way to get away from the assignment rather than really deepen the learning and learn more about. And I think the message that I wanted to say is that if we use it correctly, we can actually learn better. And I think this whole conversation that we're having today is really helpful because it helps us understand that um, AI can be used for positive things. Ooh, okay. Now I'm really interested to dive into the details, but let's start off with how in the world did Mid-Pacific students get this opportunity? How were you folks selected? Um, I think like I got like I was interested in this because we were part of another student panel back in April called Aka Puka that a couple of us were a part of. Um, it was another student panel and that kind of like got me started to realize like the abilities of AI and I was talking with other students about it and then its abilities and I just like this opportunity to be able to like share that nationwide instead of just locally kind of made me more interested. Um, I think a lot of us here were chosen. A few of us, I think it's because we participate in tech-oriented classes, so we have a little bit of knowledge on things like generative AI, but a few of us, including myself, um, I don't particularly take too many tech-oriented classes, but I am a student in art, and I'm a student in science, and I feel like part of the discussion of AI is realizing that it is present in every classroom, not just our tech classes, but our English classes and our art classes, et cetera. So getting students from really every corner of the school is important. So you can hear an opinion from every cliche or every niche in the school, I mean. Wow. So this is like a big responsibility. Um, you know, you folks have the task to present, you know, how you can ethically use artificial intelligence in the classroom. How did you folks prepare for this presentation? What did you have to do to get familiar with artificial intelligence? Um, I think a lot of us use AI in various ways. There's some of us who use it for English classes, classes and as we said, some of them for, were for art. And personally, because I was brought in, um, and myself and Ian and Youngjae, we're brought in because of our computer science courses and because we have a little bit more understanding in that sense. Um, really what we had to do, even though we have different very, or even though we have different understandings of AI was really just tap into how we use it on a daily basis. Um, how, what our understanding of AI is as a student, because what our perspective on AI is, is what um, is gonna be similar to students across the globe. Um, what we see are the positives, what we are struggling with ethically um, as a student, um, and really digging in and seeing why we have those ethical considerations, but also seeing the advantages and how it has been benefiting us personally. So what we want, and I think Sydney said with the intention of this conference that we're about to have is really sharing why for us as a student, it's beneficial in the ways that we're seeing it uh, affect our work. So how were some of the ways um, that you folks, um, you know, kind of experimented with it or, or started to get or use it? And can you be more specific about, um, you know, AI comes in different forms. So what, what what exactly were you guys using all different 
types of AI or what specific kinds of AI we're using in the classroom to start learning about it? Um, um specifically, okay. we, oh, sorry, Pili, you can go. No, no, you yeah. go, you go. I can um, go after you, you go. I use, oh, I'm just gonna go real quick and then you can. Uh, specifically, I use like ChatGPT as a research assistant. Um, you can help it really personalize like uh, really complicated paragraphs or sources and then asking it to like specify it and make it more comprehensible depending on like how you learn. And it's, I also like want to be able to like figure out how like to use it in a way that doesn't really count as plagiarism because that's the biggest fear with a lot of educators and instead use it as a tool to incorporate it into learning, kind of like getting rid of the bad while keeping the good with ChatGPT specifically. Charlie? Yeah. So I also use ChatGPT. Um, I'm not really a tech student, but I write a lot. And when it was brought up in one of my classrooms, our teacher really brought it with a very like open um, sort of relationship in that it's not really something that teachers should be scared of. And it's not something that students should be like, whoa, don't use that. And as a writer, I've used it to actually like, I feed it some of my stories or some of my poems and I get really good feedback about specific things. And I think actually that it's a really useful tool, especially for a lot of students who maybe have fears of like receiving feedback from peers. So that's kind of an example of one of the uh, AIs that I've used, but I know that some of my friends also use, I think, Dolly E, which is another um, sort of art generator. But yeah, that's just my personal experience. Um, I also use ChatGPT in various settings, but specifically in computer science. So um, I learned to use ChatGPT the first week it ever came out. So it was during the Cyber Patriot competition and our TA walked up to us and they introduced us to this amazing tool. Um, so don't worry, it was an open source competition, so it wasn't cheating. <laughs> so when I first logged in, it was first mystifying because I really didn't know what this AI could do. I really didn't know how to prompt properly because I really didn't know what it was able to do. Um, I just did, I just thought that it was something like Google that I have to come up with like precise and concise, uh, perfect keywords. But when I like experimented, I really realized that it is really useful and it is able to understand my gibberish English. Cause um, I'm an international student coming from South Korea, but ChatGPT was able to understand my natural languages and convert that into computer languages. So it was really helpful. Can anybody, just for our listeners out there who are not up to date on ChatGPT, <clears throat> what does it do? If you could just explain it easily and make it easily explainable for, we have a lot of listeners out there who even parents, um, you know, no offense guys who's listening, but even me who might not be as hip, you know, and then you read about it every day. If you read about, you see chat GPT, but could somebody break it down for us in a very easy to understand manner, what exactly it is and what it does. I think I can take that. I'm kind of doing this tomorrow. Um, but what I'm kind of describing it as is there's tons and tons of data, tons and tons of information out there in the world. And um, with 
lots of information and lots of data, you start to see patterns and you start to see connections between different maybe words, maybe different phrases. And so once those patterns arise and you submit something like a question or um, maybe a keyword, such as what Yongjae said, um, it can actually see those pattern patterns and recognize, you know, the connections between different phrases um, and give you back something based on what um, the data at large is. So say um, the words, I'm looking at the prompts now, say um, what and did and you are most commonly seen together. Um, and maybe you're asking, what did you do over the weekend? Um, it can kind of, if you, if you know autocorrect, it's already doing that. It's extrapolating data from what you've been putting in, um, what you most frequently enter. And, and it's just doing that on a wide scale to give you um, hopefully uh, an accurate response um, and just pulling from mass amounts of data out there. And there's still more to come with those. Um, we talk about reliable information a lot, but it's just basically pulling from information that's already out there to hopefully come up with a trust, um, a reliable resource. Anybody, yeah, thank you for that explanation. Anybody can add to that to explain to to our listeners out there who aren't quite sure? Helena? Um, I think the most like unique thing about ChatGPT is it works in a conversational style. So you talk to it like it's a person. You, you can add on to previous prompts. You can reference previous prompts. You can talk to it almost like it's a person, but then like at the same time, like if you ask it to do human-like things like think or do, it'll be like, I'm a computer, not a person. So it's kind of like, it. you can talk to it, which is why it's so much more easier to use than its previous version. I like to explain it to people who have no clue what ChatGPT is at all, is like a second opinion. So like Helena said, it is very much conversational. So think of it as your normal Google search, except you're talking to a little robot. So you enter in a question or a prompt or you copy and paste a big excerpt from a book and you're like, analyze this. And they'll go, sure, and they'll analyze it for you. So it basically takes all those thousands and thousands of Google searches that you get and compresses it into one, like Kimmy said, most common answer, really. And like Helena said, you can try to be conversational. You can have fun with it. You can tell it to write silly things. But in the end, it is a computer and it realizes that. So. One could say, as students in a classroom, <clears throat> or maybe listeners out there might be like, you know, well, the job of a student is to work hard and, and do the work and look it up themselves and learn through experience, not get it the answer at a, at a you know, click of a button or asking and immediately getting the answer. What would you say to that? You know, somebody who's saying something like, that's why I don't want ChatGPT to be used in the classroom. I think, um, sorry, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. Go ahead. Go ahead I think yeah. uh, in its current form, uh, the way that AI works, the nature of it, especially for generative AI, most of the work it can do in a classroom is getting rid of, <clears throat> getting rid of menial work, like spell checking or grammar checking for essays, which is what I usually use it for. It's a very, just because it has intelligence in the name, it's actually not very intelligent. You, any work that involves critical thinking is very difficult for the machine to process. And that type of work still has to be done by the student. So 
uh, to teachers that are worried about it, I'd say uh, it's it's not much of a concern. If <clears throat> it's not much of a concern because the critical thinking aspect of learning, which I think is the most important, is still going to be up to the student. It's not going to be replaced by AI. Can I add two after you, Sydney? Yeah. Um, I feel like just to respond to like the people who are like, oh, I don't think that ChatGPT should be in classrooms. I'm so scared of it. I feel like um, everything that Ian said, like obviously it could never replace like an actual human in terms of like critical thinking and even math. ChatGPT is very bad at math and like most STEM related things, it is very bad. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing to really keep in mind is the fact that our society is progressing so much in terms of um, the digital aspect of it and and AI in general. And I feel like it would be very difficult to keep education and curriculum the same. I feel like if our world is developing, so does our curriculum. So in a way, like it's a little bit to some people might be hard to accept, but um, change has to happen because our computers are developing and therefore our classrooms have to be as well. Helena? Um, I wanted to like say like, we have the calculator. I mean, that completely revolutionized math, but we ended up adding it in. Like we have calculator portion tests and no calculator portion tests, um, or like Grammarly. Grammarly is also AI, but some people are like, oh, how are people gonna learn how to do grammar? But like it improves your sentence structure or the computer. Like we learn to use the computer as a source instead of like cheating and stuff like that. Like we will continue to develop. And there's also like, this, it can only do so much for us. It's not going to completely replace us. Charlie? Yeah, I just wanted to add on, like, as we're changing sort of the education system and as it grows and develops over time, I feel like one of the best things with, like, a OpenAI and even ChatGPT is the accessibility that it offers to a lot of students. I mean, think about here on Oahu, there's so many students who are international or who maybe are they speak one language at home and they speak another at school. And I feel like having AI, it makes so much um, complicated information. It makes it really digestible. And even for students who in general, maybe they have reading disabilities and they need information that's more accessible, you can feed ChatGPT, say, look at this one study for me and summarize it in easy words. And I feel like having that tool is really important stepping stone for some students and it won't it will cause them to feel not as left behind in the classroom, which I think is super important, so. Very, very interesting perspectives. Now, what if, you know, like a teacher says, you know, the beauty of, you know, just having students doing their own work, like I could read a paper by Ian, I could read a paper by Sydney or Charlie, Kimmy, Yunjay, Helena, and say, wow, you know, that work, that's, that's, you know, Helena's signature work, because I recognize her writing style, or this is totally Sydney, you know, this is totally Charlie, Ian, totally, that's totally Ian would take that angle, that's totally Ian's writing. Well, what if, you know, with ChatGPT introduced into the classrooms, the fear of teachers is suddenly, with all this access to all the vast amount of information out there, that originality, that uniqueness, of an individual expressing it, you know, in their work, is that going to be diminished because you're taking from the vast amount of information out there and suddenly 
all those ideas and thoughts become, you know, just put into your paper, erasing maybe somebody's uniqueness. I feel like this plays into the question of like, where do we draw the line between research and plagiarism? And I feel like when, for example, let's just use the example of an essay, like a personal voice in an essay. I feel like personally, when a teacher is having trouble finding your unique touch to it, it usually means that most of your essay is directly generated by AI. And in that case, that would be plagiarism and that would be not allowed. But I do feel like the topic of um, having so much access to information isn't something that would really affect that personal voice in the sense that without ChatGBT, we have access to Google, we have access to libraries, that is vast amounts of knowledge. And I think that most students are able to keep that personal voice even with access to knowledge. So I feel like in terms of personal voice, as long as there is a line right before plagiarism, it shouldn't really be affected in terms of access to information. I wanna add on to Sydney and just say from my own personal experience, like you can tell when an article has been produced by OpenAI, um, it honestly lacks human emotion and sort of, what's the word I'm looking for, nuance, as like when you read an article that's been produced by ChatGBT versus something that's been produced by a student, you it feels like honestly like night and day, the difference, like you can tell a human like emotions and hands went into something versus like a computer, like it's at least for me personally and from my conversations with teachers at school, it's very clear. <laughs> Adding on to that, um, I think, and I do think that tone uh, as of right now is uh, kind of something that's difficult for a, a language, a generative language model. Um, but, I, sorry. Um, but I also think that, you know, as ChatGPT advances, you know, maybe um, even when you put in something um, like a poem, it's able to detect tone and see tonal changes. So um, that, I mean, I think that's going to become more of an issue in detecting the differences between human and, and language generated models in the future, just because that part, um, because it's human fed is going to be um, advancing a lot more. But something about, you know, the the integrity of student tone and voice is that um, that sort of depth and personality comes from critical thinking, in my opinion. And so um, if you're giving a student maybe a prompt or maybe a task and it's something that can be answered um, by every other student in the same way, um, I don't think that's um, engaging the student enough in a way where um, they're really connecting to the task and they're really wanting to share and maybe put in thought to that task. And so I think it's kind of the role of educators as technology advances to create assignments and create um, tasks for their students, which maybe go beyond, go more personal than than something that can be generated by AI. Something that's like, what's a time in your life that blank or um, maybe come up with a solution to this that hasn't been solved yet in, in um, a different way or um, something that can't be searched. And so that's going to be the task of educators to consistently try to come up with new questions, because I think we're seeing in education that we're leaning 
more towards the thought that um, asking the right questions is a lot more difficult than answering or giving the right answers. So um, that's going to be the job of both educators and students to keep up with that. Wow, you just um, kind of segued into my next question about, um, you know, how can AI be used ethically then in the classroom? Um, so I guess it's the it's the job of both the teacher and the student, as I just heard you say, Kimmy, right there. Um, so I guess touching off of that, um, you know, can can you guys outline for us what are some of the good and the bads of um, AI? Um, I kind of wanted to go off of what Kimmy said about like like organizing your curriculum and like classwork around AI's ability. One of the limitations of AI is it cannot, it does not have access to any sources after it was released. So it does not have anything on events that happened after the year 2022. So what my teacher did was she had, she gave us assignments on things that were very relevant, stuff that happened at most like two, three months ago. So that way we could not really use ChatGPT because it had to be completely like current sourced. And that was the biggest like, that is what like some teachers should be doing. Yeah, the sort of just spitball off of that too, it, as we're talking more about change again, like um, a huge discussion in English curriculums right now is moving away from like the canon or books that are considered classics. And if anything, ChatGPT and OpenAI in general has kind of push this more forward as people are trying to look towards newer books that have been published so that um, students aren't able to sort of plagiarize essays off of them. And personally, that's a change I like to see because I think we should always be encouraging like new books and new readers. So that's like, that's something I think is kind of good about AI, but sorry, Sydney, you can go. Yeah, I think just uh, another thing um, of what Kimmy was talking about, about change in the classroom, I think this brings back to like the topic of, you know, we're developing a society, so our curriculum has to as well. Um, I think we have to see change from both teachers and from students, but just as an example, because I know a lot of educators are watching this in hopes of gaining some insight on it. Um, one of my teachers, when we had to write a really long essay of something that really can't be like chat GBT proofed really, um, he made us do an outline. So really simple, just as we're writing the essay, we make an outline of here's my source and here's the information I got from it. And therefore when we turn in the essay, he can look through the sources and he can go, oh yeah, she's telling the truth. She's telling the truth, you know? So something simpler, like a reading log, just like something to cite your sources. It, it doesn't have to be too like above and beyond to like completely change the course of education. It's just something as small as that to just, you know, ensure that we're being truthful. I'd also like to add, I mean, um, so at the first conference, um, and I'm I'm really excited that, you know, the conversation has has been drawn to how can we shape curriculum and how can we shape the things that we give our students and the way that we learn because um, at our initial conference where we talked about where we were all kind of introduced to the idea of AI and some of us for the first time, it was more of ethics as in like, oh, how can we stop ourselves from plagiarizing? How can we stop students from using AI in their work? Um, and I think that that's the mindset of a lot of people of, is how can we restrict students from using AI? Um, but really, like, you cannot police students for what they do at home there's restrictions that you can put in place I know a lot of 
schools are maybe putting bans on what can happen on school devices or um, maybe like rules like this paper, you cannot use ChatGPT, but um, the way that we're going and the way that this conversation is going and I'm really excited about is more towards the shape, the shaping of curriculum, which includes ChatGPT and that includes um, these sources that are now openly available to us. So I just wanted to add that. I wanted to just talk really quick, just back to what Kimmy said about um, avoiding the restriction of students. I think um, I've heard there have been cases of teachers where um, to avoid like that plagiarizing effect of ChatGPT, they make all of the essays have to be handwritten on paper and within like a 40 minute period in class. And for a lot of students, that's very restricting. It's obviously different from when we're used to typing on our computers. And I feel like that just again, back to the conversation of we have to develop our curriculum, uh, especially in our day and age when we're joining the workforce, none of us are really gonna be writing anything on paper anymore. We're not gonna be writing our resumes on paper. We're not gonna be doing our taxes on paper. Like we're gonna be typing it out on a computer and to bring us back to five years ago where we were writing on paper essays, it just seems very backwards. So like Kimmy said, we shouldn't be restricting students. We should be developing our curriculum to surround AI. Um, I totally agree with Cindy because one of my teachers that first told me about ChatGPT was immediately like so um proactive about trying to get to us before like the teachers who didn't want us to use it did in a way. Um, he was so adamant about like helping us set it up and learning how to to use it. And the assignment that I had for his class was like a fifteen to twenty page research paper that I had to write. And so honestly, like ChatGPT like came out at the perfect time for that because I got to really like get a lot of experience with it and I got very close with it. And honestly, like I was looking at these super complicated like scientific like research studies that I needed to back up my work. And I could just, I did not understand most of what it was being said because it was just so confusing for me. And so I was able to just ask ChatGPT like, can you simplify this for me? Or can you define this for me? Find this phrase, like, how does this work? What does this do? And it helped so much. And it, I didn't like copy and paste anything like at all, I rewrote it all. And on top of that, like we were required to have citations from actual sources that were like written by people. So that was also like another thing, like to verify that it was not all generated by AI. Like I had to fact check everything that the AI wrote to make sure that I, what I was like writing was true. So it sounds like the general consensus here um, from you guys, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is that, you know, people should embrace chat GPT, well, more specifically educators and students. And if they don't know about it, then they should start getting to know about it, right? Because it's something that uh, is not going to go away, like uh, you folks already said, um, and we're moving, um, you know, quickly, technology changes every day, um, rapidly, and so it's not going to go away. So the best thing to do is to embrace it and to learn how to use it ethically. So for our listeners, um, what's the first step that they have to take in order to log on? Do they need to go online? And I'm sorry for sounding like an old fuddy-duddy, but we need these steps to walk us through. So how do you just Google chat GPT comes up and is it like something that you got to pay for? Is it free? What's the first steps into learning about chat GPT? Um, open AI is what chat GPT is under. 
Um, it is an organization that consists of like multiple different AI generators. Um, but if you look up OpenAI ChatGPT, you can get yourself started and you do need an account to log into, but it is free. Okay, and then you just kind of experiment from there and uh, there's so many uses of ChatGPT. Uh, can you just kind of just, you know, briefly walk us through it? It'll make us feel better. <laughs> okay, so when you go onto the AI Open AI website, it's really easy. You can click sign up an account. I'm actually doing it on my own device right now as we speak. <laughs> um, for people who have like Apple accounts, Google accounts, or Microsoft accounts, they can just kind of hit continue with and it'll automatically log them in. Or if they don't have any of those, they can put in like, say they have like a Yahoo account, they can put in their email address, hit continue, and then they'll create a password. And once they've done that, pretty much you're in, you will verify your email, you'll get a code and then but I know some AIs, like I believe Google has a newer one that does have a wait list, but ChatGPT is pretty much instantly, you verify it and you're pretty much good to go and you can kind of mess around with it all you want. I think in terms of like steps to bring it into the classroom, obviously like Helena and Charlie both said, um, as an educator, I feel like the most important step to start is to familiarize familiarize yourself with AI. So I have some teachers who at first were really hesitant about the idea of ChatGPT, and then they looked it up, tried it out, and they were like, wow, this is so useful. I've had teachers come up to me like, I've drafted emails with this. I've, I've asked for tips for college recommendation letters with ChatGPT. Educators are using it to help themselves as well. So I feel like, you know, keep an open mind, give it a chance, sign up for it and test it out, have fun with it. And then of course, when it comes to incorporating into the classroom, you know, we've mentioned some things before, but just some simple steps just to ease your way into it. I feel like the biggest thing with bringing it into the classroom is the stigma around it. So if you go into the classroom and tell your students, oh, if you use ChatGPT, you're going to get a zero. You put this like bad, oh, bad guy idea on AI in general, and then everyone is afraid of it. Students want to use it even more, and then it just creates like a lot of conflict within this whole idea. So really just familiar familiarize yourself with it, keep an open mind, and ease yourself into it. Tell your students that this is a tool, we should be using it, we should be embracing it. Um, for educators, though, how long would you recommend them familiarizing themselves with it? Because, I mean, it's important for them, uh, you know, this is their job and they want to represent it, you know, truly and um, also know its true uses and be familiar with it. It's Is it really quick that they get really familiar with it or what do you recommend? I think um, I getting recommend... used to the whole, oh, my bad. Oh, go ahead, Ian. No, I think getting, <laughs> uh, I think getting used to the whole style of getting used to entering prompts into this system and seeing well, wait, the outputs sorry, sorry, and manipulating the outputs. Prompt? What is a prompt? I'm just trying to- um, A prompt is for... any message or like a phrase you enter into like chat GPT or any AI program like that to give you the output. So you could say, write me an email saying this, this, and this, and then it'll write it for you. The part where you ask it to write the email, that is the prompt. That's how you interact with this AI. Um, one of the most important things about learning and adapting with these tools is understanding how prompts work and the diction that you use affects the output. So I think like one of my teachers, he actually writes test questions with 
chat GPT and he just puts in like, cause he showed us at the end of the year, he put in like some of the content we studied for that unit. And then he asked, write me like 10 or 20 high school level questions with this information in mind. And after it gave him the questions, he only had to tweak them a little. And he made that for one of our tests, which I think just learning how to manipulate the AI in ways that could help further a teacher's, you know, educate <clears throat> a teacher's teaching what is really beneficial for everybody. And, uh, you know, we, because I'm in the news, um, not all artificial intelligence is legit, um, but apparently chat GPT is a legit platform or thing to use. When you talk about it legit, are you talking about like false information or something? Yes, and safe, credible, and, and how do you, because I mean, that's important to educators as well. I mean, you don't want them to just do a Google search for AI and whatever pops up, you, I mean, they should use it. I mean, I, that, that's important for, for them to know too, right? Yeah, yeah. I will say, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, 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 you go in. Okay, I, I will say that <laughs> sorry. Um, you can cor correct ChatGPT if it provides you with any incorrect information and it will constantly correct itself. And because it is, isn't running, it's not like Google where it is constantly sourcing through new data and new information. It is running on old information. So there have been times where it has told me things like completely like out of the blue that I was like, whoa, like not at all. And I tell it that and it will, Sometimes it doesn't always come up with the truly correct answer, but it does always acknowledge, you're right, I was wrong. So it, I wouldn't ever worry too much about um, the legitimacy of it. Sorry, Ian. No, you're good. Uh, I just think one thing to keep in mind is that the data that specifically ChatGPT uses, I think is only up to date for 2018. So any, any remotely relevant information, well, since you're a newscaster related to the news is going to be false if it even gives you anything back. I think that's the main limitation of this is that it has a predefined data set. So it does get a lot of uh, questions wrong, specifically in science and medical fields, which it's not reliable for that. But for, I guess, simple prompts, like just anything writing related, I think is very useful but it does have limitations, especially regarding to information, which you do need to watch out for if you are gonna rely on this to like perform a surgery or something. I will also add that um, when you're talking about like legitimacy in maybe your choice of AI, your, cho your choice of engine, um, or not really engine, engine wouldn't be the correct terminology, but um, when you're choosing like between ChatGPT or maybe another another source of information, um, again, we're talking about a data pool, a data set. And so um, when you click anything on Google, you know, there's a chance that there may or may not be misinformation on, on that Google source. And so um, fact, fact checking is definitely something we learn in our technology classes or actually in just our like English or our library classes that it's very important to go through your sources and, and fact check. And the same is true with ChatGPT. It's no more 
um, reliable than the information that's already out there. You know, if information is commonly seen um, as false or if false information is commonly seen by the data out there, then that's what ChatGPT is going to pick up on and that's what it's going to tell you. So re reliability and in terms of legitimacy, yes, it's more legit if um, it uses a broader scope of data like ChatGPT does because it is um, most, most frequently used. I'm not sure the data on that one, but it seems to be the most popular um, source out there. Um, yes, it will be more reliable because it's a greater source, but if there's mis misinformation out there and many people see it already, then you're uh, uh, you're more likely to see misinformation. And so if you're looking for legitimacy, always, always fact check. And just real quickly, I, um, I know we also have a lot of parents listening. Is um, artificial intelligence or chat GPT suitable for all ages or is it just for you guys, uh, students your age? Um... I don't um, I, sorry I can't really say quick. I think uh chat GPT is like suitable for all ages because it does have like restrictions like if you're worried about your child accessing inappropriate information um chat GPT will like it has like red flag things like if you try to like joke around with it like it will like have red flags so it is suitable for children I would say so and I wanted to correct myself earlier I said it could access stuff from 2022 it the latest um information available was September 2021 actually so sorry about that yeah I don't um I can't off the top of my head think of any reason why um AI especially ChatGPT would be inappropriate for younger children um if anything I feel like younger children with access to this type of technology would really just like fool around with it. Um, if you're not using it for schoolwork, you're using it for fun. And like Helena mentioned, there are red flag things. Um, the most mainstream version of ChatGPT, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe um, can't produce images. It's just worded responses. I feel like there are other forms of AI that can, but ChatGPT specifically will just give you a response. If you ask it something inappropriate, it will reply with, sorry, that's inappropriate. It has many blocks. Um, even if you ask it something as simple as what's your favorite color or something like very human-like, it will usually give you a response like, sorry, can't answer that. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, I know Cindy and Helena talked about more younger children, um, like elementary schoolers. Um, I was actually in relation to age and we're talking about parents, I was gonna go um, up the age spectrum um, for people like adults, and maybe um, people are in their 70s, 80s even, um, I think that ChatGPT is heavily accessible to people um, of that um, age group because um, if you think about technology and the interfaces, um, the GUIs or the graphical user interfaces that we have today, you know, there's so many buttons, it's so visual, there's lots of interaction and sign-ins and buttons and things like that, that you have to go through. And if you think about it, like it's very vis visually appealing, but maybe some things make it more complex for users who aren't familiar with the technology. And what's amazing about ChatGPT is, is it's much like a conversation, there's not many buttons, you open the page and it's just um, your search bar, and then a screen maybe with your previous conversations. And then on, on the side, it's the history of everything you've interacted with. So it's really simple. It's really clean, um, in my opinion, anyway. And so if you don't know maybe how to traverse to a certain page, you have the, your intention in mind, you want to just simply ask it a question. You don't have to enter it into the Google search bar, hit a button, hit the search button, then hit a link and then hit a button and then hit another link to find something else. 
um it's literally you just type it into the search bar you hit search um and it'll give it in a readable format and so the beauty is that um for all age groups it makes information a lot more accessible sounds like overall you guys like chat gpt and artificial intelligence <laughs> You guys are bursting at the seams with a lot of information, and I just want to thank you all for sharing with us. We are so excited to see uh, just, you know, bright students and Akamai students um, before us and hearing from all of you guys um, and sharing with us. It seems like you guys are not just one step ahead, but you guys are like 100 step ahead of a lot of people who are just getting with the program with ChatGPT. Thank you so much for uh, taking us on this journey with you. Um, and really excited to see what happens next with um, MidPAC students and uh, AI. What is next uh, for MidPAC students and artificial intelligence? I think going forward, um, the constant integration of artificial intelligence into the education <clears throat> education system, my bad, will just be like teaching this generation, how to use it and how to utilize it. And then, you know, post education, going into the workforce, these, uh, knowing how to use these tools and like with AI will be able to boost like, you know, productivity in the workforce going forward. So I think AI will be kind of like Google, almost like ubiquitous in everyday life. I guess I can also add on. Um, Mid-Pacific has a great emphasis on living together with the new technology. Um, it was really grateful because we see other schools actually banning ChatGPT from their school, but our school was really encouraging us to use this tool because we see this as not as an enemy, but as a new paradigm, um, a useful tool that will shape our future. So. I'm also eager to see how students can incorporate this into their new learning. Both uh, Ian and Youngjae and I have the same computer science teacher. And um, one of the funny things that I she said once um, ChatGPT has come out was she started saying, uh, ask ChatGPT before you ask me. So I think that's, that's going to be more of the mindset moving forward. Wow. So for our listeners um, who are really excited about, um, you know, just how MidPAC has embraced um, AI, is there, and I don't know if maybe the teachers can answer this or you folks, but is there something that um, they can follow along on any progress on any sort of project in the future that might be coming up uh, in relation to artificial intelligence? I know this was a, a big deal with the uh, national presentation is there any more of that stuff coming ahead or is there any kind of a project in the works, um, you know, using artificial intelligence that, you know, the listeners can look forward to, or is it just that you have uh, implemented it in your classrooms and we can just look forward to your individual progress? <laughs> um, um, I would like to say like, sorry. You can go first. Um, open AI, just like the website, is a company like founded by multiple like uh scientists and people and you can just go to that website and there's like so many projects ongoing that you can talk about and you can like look at their research that they give you to explore and that's a big one and there's also like 
so many other like developing AI, like image generators and video generators, voice generators, so many like different forms of AI that can be, that you will probably be seeing in the future, um, like Midjourney, Dolly, Firefly, and so on. Oh, I wanted to quickly share the project that I was working with from my computer science class. So OpenAI has this um, ChatGPT API that is um, open for every developers to utilize. So I'm creating this flashcard app that is powered by GPT um, that would be published on our app store soon. So um, yeah, just wanted to share that. Wow. I, if I could, so an adult finally wants to speak, although I should just let the <laughs> students talk. To get a sense of the school's commitment and the students' reference, President Paul Turnbull, the president of Mid Pacific Institute, was just recently interviewed by Pacific Business News. And the question was, in what ways is Mid Pacific looking at generative AI as a school? And I think one of the things that you hear in the students is there's a coherent sense amongst the school community that we look at technology not as something that we use to replace education, but as an aid to support education. And the fact that our board and our president and the principals and the teachers, by and large, and we, a lot of us are still learning, uh, understand how this can be a supportive tool is institutionally, I think, what makes this the students can sense that there is um, agreement that we're going to be very aware of limitations, but we're also going to understand the way that can empower learning in in better ways to make them more prepared for their future. Yeah. I just want to thank all of you for, again, joining us here on this Mothership podcast. You, you make a lot of us feel a lot more comfortable about ChatGPT and the unknowns. And thank you for encouraging us to go out there and do our homework and, and research it and, and fiddle around with it and embrace it, like you said, because it is the wave of the future. This is where we're headed. Thank you so much for shedding light on this and wish you all the very best on your future endeavors with or without ChatGPT. <laughs> Aloha. 